First of all, I'd just like to express as well, um, just coming from a pastor, uh, how much I appreciate Todd and Paula, your ministry over these years, your heart for, for each individual that came into your home. I know we have some other leaders here that have been a part of that, and uh, probably some leaders I don't recognize or don't know that have been part of it. I know uh, Jason uh, and Tammy Holmes have been uh, integrally part of that, and so thank you for your leadership in that as well. But um, very grateful for your heart for individuals and for continuing that over this time. Um, along with that, I, I do understand that not only we want to say thank you to you, but we also want to say congratulations to Max and Abby. Congratulations to you guys. We have a ring on, is that right? We're, we're so excited for you guys. Congratulations to your whole family. Um, if you would join me, let's uh, just take some time to pray and uh, also want to just pray for uh, Jackie's family as they lost um, her mother this week. And um, I know she's in a better place and we know where she's at, but um, it's hard when you're losing a mom. So um, saying goodbye. And so let's just be praying for the whole family. If you join me. Uh, Father in heaven, we, we thank you for this, this time that we can worship you, we can gather together. I, we give you praise for the work that you are doing in our lives. We thank you for your, um, your work in Jackie's mom's life, uh, her heart for you, her love for you, the relationship that uh, you initiated with her by calling her to your grace. Father, we know that um, this is a hard time for the family as there's a um, uh, time that um, we have to say goodbye, knowing that we will see each other again and that our grief is not like the world's. But we do pray for their family as they, um, as they grieve the loss of their mother. Father, I also want to um, just give you praise for um, new relationships. We thank you for Max and Abby and, and um, their engagement. We thank you for the work that you've been doing through digging deeper over these years. And Lord God, we just come before you and we give you praise for all that you've done, all that you continue to do, for the hearts that have been changed as a result of your grace through your continued work in us and our, your ministry through us. Father, we also just recognize here at the beginning of our time in the Word that, that the nations are raging, that... Um, uh, we live in a world that has um, rejected your grace and, and we see the fruit of that um, so often. And right now in this time of war, we, we recognize that, that um, there's a lot of people that are hurting, um, but also there's a lot of opportunities for the gospel, the gospel to be shared during this time. Father, we pray that you would do your work. Uh, we pray for kings and those in authority. We pray that you would bring peace uh, out, of, out of this this, um, this week, but um, Father, we pray that the gospel would go forth and that the people that are in Ukraine right now, your church in Ukraine, would be a bright and shining light as they honor you in their lives, in their witness, in their testimony. Um, we pray for their safety, and we pray for your glory and your honor. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Well, this morning I'd like to put today's passage in a little bit of perspective uh, by first considering a few outlandish scenarios. One of the people I was going to pick on is not here, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to randomly pick a couple, uh, another individual and just surprise you, Brent. Um, but uh, Skippy, let's start with you. Where's Skippy at? thought I saw you over here. There, there, okay, hiding in the back. You don't have to come up. You can stay right where you're at. You, can even, you don't even have to stand up even. But we're going to start with you, Okay. 
Um, now, I understand that you've been busy lately doing some general contracting and busy starting your own business now, right, more or less? No, I work at Factory. With Factory now, okay. Um, but, uh, but you've gained some skills over the years doing uh, some uh, pole barn building with Craig and as well as some sheetrocking, painting with your father. Um, so I have a business proposition for you. Actually, it's not so much of a proposition because I've already committed you to it and your entire future financial standing is dependent on this contract, which you are now bound to, just because I say so. Um, and here's the deal. John Deere is going to expand, and, and they have a contracted you, through me, um, congratulations, um, to build 1,000 medium-sized storage facilities across Iowa, and you're in charge. You start tomorrow, and you have until the end of the month of August to complete your contract. So just a simple question. Um, will you fulfill your contract, or, or do you need a couple extra days to get everything done in time? That wasn't the question. It was not the question. All right, so I'm going to change the parameters for you, though, okay? Uh, what, if, what if I told you that you have a team of 20 fully trained architects um, that John Deere will take care of their salary and, and all those things? You don't have to worry about all the financial aspects of these things. Uh, 500 clones of Craig Jepson in his prime. Full access to any specialists, electricians, plumbers, anything that you need. Unlimited access to Menards with a guarantee of a one-day delivery on any resource that you need. And, and let's throw in a helicopter and 20 project managers who are there and ready to advise you 24-7. And we'll even throw an American Express black card in the boot. Um, how's that deadline looking in your future outlook now? I'll get it done by July. Okay, <laughs> all right. Changes things, doesn't it? All right, so Tammy Nielsen, you're next. Um, for 2022, you've got a really special treat. Uh, I see Danny's not here today. Uh, he's out having some fun, so it makes it even better. But planting season's coming. And Danny's decided that, um, that it's time for a nice, needed vacation. Um, and he's going to take the boat out for three months straight. Uh, he's going to take Mitch and Kinsey with him. And, uh, and he's going to leave in April. And while he's out enjoying the river, you're in charge of prepping the machinery, uh, getting the fields ready, planted, fertilized, um, everything for the rest of the year. Um, the problem is, is that the, the, um, the planter's down, and so you have to go old school. Um, so first of all, uh, how, how are you and Danny doing now that you're just finding this out? <laughs> How's Mitch doing? <laughs> Scooting over. Yeah, yeah, I'm on, on vacation. All right. So uh, not looking too good. But again, what if I changed the parameters and told you that you have an amazing son-in-law who's volunteered to take care of the whole thing on your behalf? And um, all, all, all that's needed is a nice sack lunch each day for him and his crew. He's going to bring in all of his brothers. How many brothers do you have? Three? Okay, so all three of his brothers. And they're just going to take care of everything. Just a sack lunch and have to make sure there's a bag of Cheetos in it as well. You have to have the Cheetos. Um, he's going to bring his crew of brothers in. Matt Vickers is going to give you a premium plan for all the egg supplies that you need. And Gary Friedman has, has a guarantee miracle bailout program from Farm Credit if anything goes wrong, weather or son-in-law. Does that change things? All right, Danny's still in trouble, but okay. All right, I was going to pick on somebody else, but I think they're, they're in a different state right now. So, so Brent QB, you're, you're it, all right? 
Um, so, uh, what, what's the big product that you guys are doing right now at the, fa- at the factory? It's, it's still mailboxes. Okay, that's just thinking. So, if um, we're, we're going to change the contract, and, and this time uh, they, they need 10,000 mailboxes ready. How does that compared to what you guys are doing? The shipping next month? That's pretty doable. All right, so let's, let's uh, wow. <laughs> You're not helping me, man. <laughs> How many do you guys make every month? <laughs> okay, all right. Well, let's go ahead and increase it to 200,000 then, okay? Just because I need to help. All right. Um, and... Um, And so you're going to have all spring and summer uh, to complete the work, um, but for you, they're, they're going to build a, a facility that is going to um, enable you to, to have room for, for all of this. They're going to bring new equipment in. Uh, they're going to bring an additional, let's say, 100 employees, um, and uh, just all spring, all summer, and um, you know, let's, let's, let's increase it. Well, let's just a thousandfold while we're at it, because your boss really wants to make some money on this. That doable if, if we have the new facilities, bring in 100 workers. Okay. Um, but once again, I'm going to change the parameters on you. And this time, it's you who changes things up, and you inform your boss that, you know what, we don't need the new facility because you know, we just fixed that new saw. And, um, and in fact, we're doing so well, we can probably lay off five guys that we already have and we don't need to bring any more because you're an expert craftsman, you're an expert manager, you have assistants already that, that you know how to take care of it, and um, spring and summer should be fine for completing everything. In fact, you'll take care of the pickups and delivery too, just because you're amazing. Um, could you evaluate the wisdom of the decision you just made? How, how's the outlook now? A little doable still? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad it's doable. That's good. That's good. Um, makes it a little more challenging though, doesn't it? Um, not quite how I expected that to turn out, but you guys get the idea. <laughs> had no idea how much you guys were putting out. Um, yeah, I'd like to propose to you that, that this is kind of the scenario that we're facing, other than our, my failure here with uh, Brent's company. Um, I'd like to propose to you that this is a similar scenario to what we find in the book of Hebrews, but multiply that um, infinitely. You've been given a task of enormous proportions which requires you of you something that you are not able to supply. It requires resources that you do not have and it mandates power and ability that you utterly lack in and of yourself. Twice in chapter 3, the author of Hebrews has used this huge word. It's one of the, it's the, one of the biggest words in the Greek language, one of the biggest words in the English language. It's the word if, I-F. It's a, it's a gargantuan word and that, that includes so much. And in chapter 3, verse 6, he, he told us, and we are His house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Later on, verse, chapter 3, verse 14, he wrote, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. We're going to see here in chapter 4.14, he's going to say it again, let us hold fast our confession. And so here's, here's the thing. How, how many of us have the power in and of ourselves to hold firm to the end? We don't. How many of us have that kind of resource that it takes to hold fast our confidence? 
How many of us have the ability to hold fast our confession apart from God's grace working in our lives? There are many who have this false view about what we are able to contribute to to God when it comes to our salvation and our, our sanctification in this life. You see, Christians believe that the Lord has provided salvation to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Our justification comes by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and that's what the Bible teaches us. This is what we believe firmly. But, but here's where many Christians, I think, get off track. And I think that we all demonstrate this pitfall at some point in our life. Sometimes we do it in our theology. And sometimes we do it just in the practical way that we live out our Christianity. We, we kind of get this idea that I've got this. I, I, I can do this on my own. And so we take things into our own hands thinking that I can now do this by works and I can finish what God started. And so often we get this idea that Jesus paid for my sin on the cross, but now that I am free from the penalty of sin, I now have the ability to carry out my sanctification by my own power. And we live that way and we believe that way sometimes in the way that we carry that out. Let me say that in a different way though. We sometimes get this idea that, that, that my sins were paid for by Jesus, but now I can somehow live out the Christian life not by God's grace, but by my works, by my own strength, by my own power. And basically, we, we, um, we do what I was insinuating that Brent was going to do, that uh, you know, we have all these resources available, and, and, and it would be as crazy as let's, let's multiply it by 10,000-fold, and... And for Brent to say, you know what? I'm just that good. I can take care of this. Uh, we, we have this impossible task before us, but then we reject all the resources that are given to us in order to accomplish the very thing that we're called to do. And, and basically, you see, the Lord provides all of heaven's resources for me to live the Christian life. His workmanship, uh, excuse me, the Lord he provides all these resources so I can live this life as His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. But sometimes, by my behavior and by the choices I make, I say, don't worry about it, Lord. I've got this. I don't, I don't need the Spirit's power. I don't need prayer. I don't need to feed my soul with Your Word. I don't need Your grace to walk in holiness. Jesus paid for my sins, so, so I am going to take care of the rest and then we'll see You on the other side. And so when I live by my works and by my own strength rather than by God's grace, I say, you know, I can hold fast on my own rather than God enabling me to do that. My friends, this is the approach to our sanctification that's a lie. And and I am just dependent, and you are just as dependent on God's grace for your present sanctification as you were for your justification. When we talk about being saved from our sins, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you understand that Jesus saved you by God's grace and that it was appropriated through faith. How many of us think that you can get to heaven on your own when, when you die? Justification's been taken care of, but, but um, you're going to do the climbing, you're going to fly there. However we get to heaven, you're going to Take the journey without God's plan. I don't know how that works, really. Just, he takes us. We can't, can we? How many think that the rapture is going to be something that you're going to bring about? It's as ridiculous as me saving myself from my own sin. And so we think about our justification in the past and God accomplished that. On the other side of, of our salvation, we have our glorification in which He glorifies us and we are freed from the, the very presence of sin in our lives. And we know that we are dependent on God for that. But in this in-between time, somehow there's this disconnect. Sometimes I think I can do this part of salvation on my own without God's grace. And that's not what the Scripture teaches us. 
And I think that Hebrews is painting a similar picture for us of this. You see, twice he makes these huge statements where he says, if you hold fast, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, and each one of us should hear those statements and affirm that there is absolutely no way that I'm, by my own ability and by my own strength that I'm going to be the one who's going to hold fast apart from God's grace. None of us have the power apart from His grace to successfully walk in holiness. But throughout chapter 4, as we saw this last week, Hebrews talks to us about finding rest. That, that Christians enter God's rest, that is, we enter into a right relationship with Him, where we can enjoy this grace-filled life, and it comes to those who walk by faith. He gives this negative illustration of the Israelites who were wandering in the wilderness, and they, they rejected God's way. They said, you know what, we're, we're going to go up into the land, and we're going to do it the way that we want to do it. And so they disobeyed, they didn't believe, and, and they ended up all dying in the wilderness. And God says we do the same thing if we're not appropriating God's grace through faith. We're not finding His rest in faith. And the rest that we can enjoy does not come through our present striving to prove ourselves to God, but rather we enjoy God's rest when we trust in Him. Watch how Hebrews takes this home in the last three verses of chapter 4, which we're going to look at today. These three verses, they act as a crossroad in the book of Hebrews. We're on this, this hub. We have this hub showing that Jesus is greater. Jesus is superior. We saw how He's greater than, than the angels. And we saw that spoke of the wheel and we came back to the hub. And, and this last couple chapters, we've taken another spoke of the wheel and we've seen how Jesus is superior to Moses. And now He's going to bring that back to this, this central hub of our wheel. He's going to He's going to conclude this whole section on, on angels and Moses. And, and then He's going to launch us into the next part of Hebrews, really the heart of his letter, and show how Jesus is our high priest. Watch how he does this in these last few verses. Uh, it's the conclusion to the first four chapters, but it's also the front door to the heart of the book, which we're going to start in chapter 5. Look at verse 14. He says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now notice what he does here. He's been leading us to this point in the, to this book. Hebrews shown us that Jesus is superior to all the angels of heaven. Jesus is superior to Moses, who was a faithful servant. And this Jesus is our high priest. He's going to show how in these next few chapters that Jesus is superior to, to Aaron and all the priests of the Old Testament system. But, but this picture is a, a beautiful one. You see, one of the tasks that the high priest accomplished is he, he took pl it took place once a year on this day that we call the Day of Atonement. And on this Day of Atonement, the high priest would pass through a curtain. He would go into the temple. And he would carry a, the, the blood of, of a ram and a goat. And, uh, and he would make atonement for the people of Israel. And it was never a completed task. It was something that had to be done once a year. And, and he had to make a sacrifice for himself before he was able to make atonement for the people. And he would go in and he would sprinkle blood on the Ark of the Covenant and he would make atonement for the people of Israel. But it was never a completed task. It, every year it had to be done again and, and another sacrifice had to be made. And when he sacrificed, um, 
every year that high priest would, would pass through once more. But Hebrews tells us, and is going to show us over these next few chapters, how Jesus is the Son of God. And when He sacrificed Himself, not the blood of, of goats and bulls and, and rams, but His own precious blood on the cross, Jesus completed His work. And Hebrews tells us in these verses that He passed through not a curtain into a temple on earth, but He passed through the heavens. As if He's entering the temple in heaven itself. The Holy of Holies where God's very presence is. And Jesus made atonement for us. He went into the most holy place in the heavens and His work on our behalf, unlike those priests who made sacrifices year after year after year, Jesus made atonement for us once and for all. And now He sits at the right hand of the Father and His work is complete. And then, after saying this, after pointing out that Jesus is our High Priest who passed through the heavens, and then He says it again, let us hold fast. Remember that word that we just pointed out in chapter 3? Used it twice? That big if statement? And again, He says, let us hold fast our confession. He's talking to a group of people who who are thinking about this thing with Jesus. And some of them are genuine believers who are holding fast because they are, they are within the faith and God's grace is continuing to strengthen them. But there's a group of people within their church that are, they still haven't made their mind up about Jesus. And they're considering going back into the Old Testament system. And there are some probably who were deceived into thinking that they truly had believed, but they were still doing everything by their own works and hadn't understood what the Gospel was. And so he's speaking to this group and says, look, I want you to understand that you cannot do this apart from Jesus. You cannot find salvation apart from Him for your justification, your sanctification, or your glorification in the future. But, but notice the parameters have been changed and from the way that we too often try to do it. Too often we try to live the Christian walk by our own strength. And we try to live out this idea that somehow I'm going to make it someday. And, and yes, Jesus paid for my sins, but I'm, going to, I'm just going to continue holding on and I'm going to do everything on my own apart from Christ. And as we do this by our own strength, we, we start forgetting that we have resources and abilities that are from heaven that God has made available to us. But chapter 4, verse 14 says, since then, because Jesus is the one who passed through, he says, let us hold fast. He is the one who causes us to persevere to the end. He is the one who continues to pour out his grace on us. He is the one who sends his spirit to guide us. He is the one who enables us to hold fast our confession. And he provides all of the resources that we need to do so. Well, next in, in verse 15. Hebrews is going to introduce us to how Jesus is this perfect high priest. And he's just going to plant the seed here. He's going to really develop this uh, and into a full-blown idea and, and thoughts over the next few chapters. But quickly, as we enjoy the benefits of having this high priest such as Jesus, look at the one, of, one of the characteristics that he points out here for us that makes Jesus the perfect high priest. He says, our high priest can sympathize with us. He knows our weaknesses. Anyone here having a struggle, struggle this week? Maybe it's just difficulties. Maybe just trials. Maybe it's just the, the, the pressure of life. Or maybe there's some temptations that you're facing and, and you're facing that same temptation that always comes back and you're, it's glaring you in the face and you're going, how am I going to get through this? And Hebrews comes to us and says, Jesus is sympathetic. Jesus is the perfect high priest and He understands exactly what you're going through. 
He knows our weaknesses. And He doesn't just know it intellectually because He's God. He, he does that. He always has known our weaknesses because He's God. But the point that Hebrews is making that as our high priest, Jesus not only knows things intellectually, but He also knows what our weakness feels like because He experienced that same weakness in His humanity. Specifically, He was tempted in every way that we are, but not once did He ever give into temptation and sin. Now, now Hebrews isn't telling us that Jesus experienced every single human temptation, every specific temptation that you face. Hebrews is not claiming that Jesus was tempted to waste hours of time on His phone. For one obvious reason, right? Because He didn't have that technology. But, However, Jesus faced the same kinds of temptations and the, the full range of all the kinds of temptations that you face, Jesus also faced those same temptations. And, and He would have been just as tempted to waste His time in other ways as we do today. He was tempted with pride. He was tempted to lust. He was tempted to lie. He was tempted to disobey His parents. He was tempted to seek revenge. He faced all the same kinds of temptations and the same kinds of struggles that we go through on a daily basis. And He can sympathize with our weakness because He Himself went through the same ordeal. I want to develop that a little bit because sometimes we encounter this suggestion that you know, the people say, well, you know what? You know, Jesus couldn't sin because He's God. So you know, that kind of makes it easier for Him, right? That was easy for Him, they say. But understand that He was God, so He did not sin. But understand that Jesus, because He had taken on humanity and became 100% human, He shared the same kind of humanity that you and I have. But He never sinned. And when Jesus took on humanity as a man, He faced the full force of temptation. And I would like to suggest beyond anything that you and I have ever experienced in temptation. C.S. Lewis addressed this idea many years ago when he was thinking through these same ideas. And he said it very well, so I'm just going to repeat what he said. C.S. Lewis wrote, a silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That is why bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. Christ, because He was the only man who never yielded to temptation, not five minutes later, not an hour later, but for His entire life, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. The only complete realist. And so when you face that same temptation, whether it's anger or pride or pornography or, or violence of some sort or you want to return to, to, that, to the bottle or, or drugs or whatever, whatever it is, when you're facing that temptation and it is pushing and pushing and pushing and you feel the pressure of it, understand that you have a high priest that sits at the right hand of God today who fully sympathizes what you are experiencing. And he understands more than anyone else even yourself, what that temptation is like. When Hebrews says that Jesus sympathizes with our weakness, you can know when you are facing temptation that Jesus has been there. He sympathizes with the struggles you face, 
Furthermore, and, I, and I'm getting ahead of Hebrews, but, but I'll, I'll drop it here anyway. He's going to tell us later on that Jesus is interceding on your behalf. Jesus is the perfect high priest. And so when you're struggling, He's praying for you. When you fail, He's praying for you and interceding for you. You have a high priest who understands your weaknesses. But verse 16 also gives us another exhortation. He's exhorted us to... Um, he's exhorted us already to hold fast our confession. But, but now he talks about drawing near to the throne of grace. Uh, it's encased in this beautiful promise, this exhortation that he gives. You see, he commands us to draw near to the throne of grace. And he says, look, if, if you are being tempted towards anger, you have direct access to the throne of grace in heaven. If pornography, violent thoughts, alcohol, whatever the temptation that you're facing is, if you're being tempted, you have direct access to Him, to the throne of God's grace. And if you're struggling with these things, you have a high priest who sympathizes with your weakness. But because He is your intercessor and because He passed through the heavens, He has given you a direct connection to the throne room of heaven. A few years ago, some of us were over at the state capitol. Uh, in my mind, I, sometimes I embellish stories, my wife tells me, because I'm not remembering them right. I'm picturing being in the governor's office, and Jane, you were, in, were we in the, there at the same time? Or I'm just remembering the story. You see, I picture the whole thing. Uh, I, I was there at one point, and so I know what the office looks like, and so probably when you st- told the story, you were just so vivid that I pictured it all, yeah. So apparently it didn't happen, but, um, but Jane, uh, but you were in the governor, governor's office at a different time, is that right? And, and you were greeted by the governor, and who you were. And, and uh, at the time, you were um, the teacher of the year. And so, um, so as he was there, he uh, greeted Jane, he talked to Jane, and there was another group that was there with you as well, is that right? Um, or, yeah, and so, and then he turned his attention to others. And Governor Branstant uh, singled you out because you were the teacher of the year. But um, I would venture to say, Jane, and I think I'm right on this part, um, you probably don't have a standing invitation to enter the governor's office anytime you want, right? Once in a while? Probably not even that. But what if, what if you were the governor's daughter? You see, that changes things. You have access. Uh, would that provide special privileges? You might have a secretary who said, hey, wait five minutes, but, um, but you can just show up and, and you don't even need an appointment because you're related. You see, don't miss the beauty of what we are being taught here in Hebrews. The Creator of the universe has given you direct access to His throne. You can plead for help any time of temptation because your high priest sympathizes and He turned the throne of our judge who we were at war with, the one who was going to unleash His wrath on us because Jesus took that wrath upon Himself and He propitiated our sins. He has turned God's throne of of judgment into a throne of grace. And, And now the doors have been opened wide. I have been made a son of the King. And I can plead for help in any time of temptation because my high priest sympathizes and He's turned it into a throne of grace. And when you are hurting, Jesus sympathizes with your pain and He's opened the door for you to enter. And when everything seems lost in your life, 
and you are completely helpless. The way has been made open and you are urged to draw near to His throne of grace. Stephen Cole tells the story of a seminary professor who was in Mexico City during um, a feast for the Immaculate Conception of Mary. And and because of the the feast and the number of people that were there, there was a long line of thousands waiting for confession. But there was only one confession booth. And as the noon bells rang, the professor told that. He said an old stooped-over priest came out of the booth walking with two canes. And a woman with several small children fell on her knees before him and grabbed him by the knees. And she cried out to him, begging him to relieve her burdens. But he struck her on the side of the head with one of his canes and he went through the crowd. You see, he was unsympathetic. He was a weak human priest, as all humans are. Cole goes on though and he says, thankfully, we do not have to go through any human priest to draw near to the very throne of God. You have direct access yourself. We could not dare to come in our own merit or righteousness, but we can come with confidence, he continues, because of the blood of Jesus, our high priest has gained us access. Our confidence is not in how good we've been or in how well we can pray, even when we have sinned badly. If we draw near to confess our sins, He will cleanse our wounds and begin the healing process just as a parent would carefully clean and bandage the wounds of his child. You see, we have a perfect high priest. And therefore, all of the resources of heaven have been given to us so that we now, those who are in Jesus Christ, can hold fast. And because Jesus is a perfect high priest, the throne room of heaven has been opened and we are invited in during these times of temptation, during times of fear, during times of hurt and weakness. But think not that when we draw near to the throne of grace that we do so with hesitation. Think not that we draw near with timidity. We, we don't draw near for only a brief request because we don't want to overstay our welcome. Hebrews says, because Jesus is your high priest, because He so wonderfully understands your weaknesses, and because He so perfectly made atonement for your sin. When we come to the throne of grace, we come so with confidence. The word that He uses is boldly. We draw near in boldness because He knows our weakness. Most of you are aware of the the dangerous precipice that our world stands above today. Nations fighting against nation. There are many unknowns. The world has its methods for pursuing peace and accomplishing its own purposes, but, but we serve a God who holds the nations in His hand. And so I think it's appropriate that we spend some time in some genuine application of what we're taught in today's passage. We serve a God who is sovereignly He's carrying out His plan and He's accomplishing His purposes. This is the God who died in our place and He's the God who knows our weakness. And and this is the God who's invited us to boldly come before His throne. Um, Given the the position that our world is in today, as in any day, but but particularly this week, I think what better way for us to conclude our service this morning by just taking advantage of our our great privilege to come before God's throne of grace. And so... We're going to take a few minutes as a congregation, and I'm going to ask you if you just get in pairs of two or three, and over this next few minutes, I'd just like to lead us through a time of prayer. Um, 
you as a son, as a daughter of the King, have been granted access to His throne. Right now. You can come boldly. And so, how appropriate that we would take advantage of, of that, um, that opportunity, that privilege, and we would make requests on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. And so, um, if you just get together with one or two people around you, you can do as a family. And um, I'm going to just bring a few requests before you and uh, ask you to pray together. And, um, and then afterwards, our praise team will come forward. Let's pray. I'm just going to start with the time. Father, we, um, we do come before You right now. And as we, as we recognize the circumstances that our, our world is in, we, we recognize that so much can happen so quickly. Uh, we, we know with confidence that none of this is a surprise to You. There is not one thing that happened on the news this week or happened in secret that You are not aware of that you have not already incorporated into your plan for the ages. Uh, you are bringing history to the exact point that you planned for it. And we look forward to, to seeing that unravel as, as your plan is carried out in the midst of a world that rebels against you. In the midst of a world that is at war with one another. Um, but at the same time, you've also invited us to pray on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. And You've invited us to pray for kings and all those in authority. You've invited us to pray for those who are weak, for the orphan, for the widow. And uh, You've commanded us to do so. And so, we're going to do that right now. Uh, Father, we thank You for this privilege. We thank You that, that You've opened the doors um, to us right now. And so, friends, right where you're sitting, if you just turn to one another and just take a few moments, um, pray for the church in in Ukraine specifically uh, there are a lot of believers that are trapped there are some who have made it out of the country um, pray for the church uh, pray for their safety pray for their witness and their testimony and, and pray that the gospel would go forth uh, as a result of of the work that you're doing that God is doing through um, through his people there go ahead As you continue in prayer, if you would pray for the salvation of, um, of people in Ukraine and around the world, uh, we're specifically praying for one country today, but pray for salvation of people who in the midst of war would hear the gospel and their, their hearts would be softened.
I'd like to ask you to pray for a couple individuals. Um, Ed and Renee Schneider emailed us and asked us to be praying for Svetlana, who is the leader of the prayer team in, uh, um, with crew. And uh, she's the leader of the prayer team in Ukraine. Uh, she's out of the country, but she has many who are still there. And so pray for Svetlana to have wisdom and pray for her team as they continue to, to go through this time. Also pray for Gustav and Angela, um, some friends of ours uh, from a church that we used to go to that are also in Ukraine. Not sure where they're at right now. If you just pray for them specifically. First Timothy chapter 2 commands us and says, First of all, there, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And so if you would take a few moments to pray for um, President Biden and the decisions he makes, pray for the leaders of the United Nations, and pray for um, President Putin in, uh, in Russia, that God would... Um, soften hearts, and give them great wisdom. Pray for their salvation.
If you would also just pray for children. Uh, in time of war, our children are probably one of the um, groups of people that suffer the most. And so if you just pray specifically on their behalf during this moment, these few moments. Alongside that, if you'd also pray for your healthcare workers who are um, taking in those who are wounded, those who are um, dying, um, pray for them as well. I'm going to ask the praise team to go ahead and start coming forward. As a reminder from the book of Daniel, um, Daniel said this. He said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with Him. To You, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For You have given wisdom. You've given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of You. For You made known to us the King's matter and He spoke in Daniel. Father, we thank You that You are God who is a God who knows the minds of kings. You're the one who um, moves nations. You raise kings up. You bring kings down. The, the nations are within your sovereign grasp. Nothing surprises you here. In fact, all of it uh, is, fits into your plan for the ages. And we will look at all of this one day and go, wow, <laughs> you couldn't have done things better. You couldn't have orchestrated all of human history in a more uh, amazing way that would bring glory and honor to yourself and the good to your people. We look forward to the day that we will be in your presence. Uh, while we're here, we, um, we continue to hold fast by your grace um, as we serve you in this lifetime. Father, we thank you for your Son who died on the cross for our sins. We thank you for your grace that you have poured out abundantly into our lives for the, uh, the resources of heaven that you have given to us that we might live the Christian life in a way that would honor and please you. We thank you that we have a high priest who sympathizes with us, who knows us individually, and has given us the opportunity as we are right now to come boldly into your throne room. 
and to offer up these prayers and supplications. So thank you for giving us this. Thank you for these people that are here today that we have shared in this. Father, we pray that your, your name would be honored in the midst of all of these things that are happening today, both in our lives and in the lives of saints around the world. Please be with us as we go from here. And uh, as we turn our attention to singing praise to you, I pray that you would be pleased as you change us and make us conformed to the image of Jesus. Amen.